Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the OCCTOs podcast. I am Marco, your host, and it's a great pleasure to come back to you with uh, some more interviews and chats with uh, Orange County's thought leaders. Uh, my guest today is uh, Nathaniel Barnes, who is the CTO at Meridian Link, a uh, loan origination system and digital lending platform based out of uh, Costa Mesa, California. Nathaniel, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure having you. Um, I had the pleasure to briefly connect with you a couple weeks ago, and we had a little fun, and we, you know, wanted to continue the conversation. So, uh, would you mind perhaps introducing yourself and uh, just giving us a little of your background for our listeners? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, to give you an idea of where I come from, I started coding when I was ten. Uh, everybody likes it when I tell the story, but uh, I, where I actually learned to code was. I found a back door in a batch file-based menu system at my school, and one of my teachers taught, uh, caught me playing games. And rather than, well, they took me to the principal's office, but rather than punishing me too harshly, the uh, computing teacher in the area took me aside and uh, had me start coming in early and taught me basic. Uh, so that was kind of my first introduction to programming. And from there, it was just kind of something that I just kept doing. I Learned to mod games later because it was fun, and then eventually, you know, started doing it professionally. I served in the Air Force for a couple of years, worked with the Defense Department for a few years after that, then was coding for Active Network uh, in San Diego, and then moved to Dallas with them, went to Global Payments, and then came out here to Meridian Link. So it's it's been a long time. I've been coding for a long time. Um, I had a a uh, difficult transition to management, I would say. I, I spent a while as an architect. Um, I always liked leadership. It's something I did a lot when I was in the military. It was something I, I kind of grew up on. But, um, you know, I never liked politics very much. So eventually, though, I, I, had, a, uh, I had a tech executive mentor of mine who, who sat me down and said, you know, look, if you don't like the people who are sitting at the middle rungs and the higher rungs of engineering leadership at a certain point, then you have to step up and you've got to help make the world different. You have to make these organizations better and kind of lead from the front. And so, you know, I took that advice to heart and eventually made the transition. To be honest, I've loved it ever since. That's great inspiration. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good mentors. All right, so tell me about what's going on at Meridian Link. What's what's going on there that's fun and that you can, you know, share with our listeners that you want to, you know, give us some insights on. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Meridian Link is a place that we're doing just massive transformation at the moment. Uh, Meridian Link has had a very successful run with large and small banks and credit unions all over the country. They've they built this platform that they had just just grown organically over the last 20 years or so. And so eventually, a few years ago, the, the uh, Toma Bravo, who's a private equity firm up in San Francisco, they purchased them. And you know, when they looked at the tech stack, one of the things that they said was, hey, we need to bring somebody in here and we need to start trying to modernize this in some way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, we were still running, in many cases, on old versions of Windows, old versions of SQL Server, old versions of .NET that just were not portable even going into the future, you know, that we're having kind of scaling issues in some areas and just, just kind of a whole host of problems that just come when you kind of organically grow over time. So 
ever since then, you know, we, we've come in and we've really spent a lot of time focusing on core development principles. We've really been trying to uh, increase the usage of things like test-driven developments uh, throughout, the, throughout the enterprise, as well as kind of really harping on things like CI and CD. Um, I'm a big believer that you kind of start at that level. You want to start at, are we doing the right things to get the right code into the systems? And then, you know, at the same time, we've been going through and you know, swapping applications over to .NET Core. We've been containerizing them. Uh, we have a massive move to Azure underway. Uh, we've been at that for about a year now, and we just launched our first app into Azure on Azure Kubernetes service, uh, actually just two weeks ago. And, you know, wonder of wonders, there was not, no one even noticed, which is ultimately the greatest compliment you can play, uh, pay to a cloud deployment is no one bothered or no one noticed what would happen. Um, yeah, so, I mean, besides that, we built an entire uh, business intelligence unit. We've been trying to serve out more data to our customers in kind of more interesting ways that they can actually leverage and move on top of. You know, we've started integrating our applications together for the first time. For a long time, our primary mortgage platform and our primary consumer lending platform never actually talked. They sat next to each other, they ran next to each other. We had customers on both of them, but they would not actually exchange information in between each other. So we're trying to find kind of new ways that we can bring more data and more capabilities in the hands of these, these kind of um, local lenders so that they can then better serve their communities. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the unique things about Meridian Link is the fact that, you know, we're not a traditional fintech in the, in the form of we're trying to go in and disrupt banks and do all that stuff. You know, we're trying to make it so that the guys out in, in Iowa that have a low credit union that's been serving them well for 30, 40, 50 years, that that credit union is just as equipped uh, technologically to service those customers as the big banks sitting in big cities all over the world. Acha, thank you for that context. Uh, I'd like to go back. I, I loved you, uh, the fact that you were a very, very seamless, no one noticed, uh, yeah. uh, you know, moment. Uh, but with that, I would like to maybe get your perspective on, you know, you've mentioned the, these uh, newer concepts, right? Uh, Technology-wide, sure. TDD, CICD, you're, you're introducing this innovation in a way, right, to the organization, sure. right? How how are those conversations? How how did your conversations with your executive leadership go? Because I'm I'm picturing, uh, you know, Nathaniel coming into the room and, hey, we're gonna, you know, have you thought about this? Or I want to pitch this here and there. It's gonna cost us money, time, and resources, <laughs> but nobody's gonna uh, notice it. So, how does that conversation go? You know, I, unfortunately, in this particular case, I had uh, I had a good partner in the form of Toma Bravo. And are the founder of Meridian Link, Tim Nguyen. So when I interviewed for the position, you know, I told them ahead of time, if, if you're looking for somebody who's going to come in here and just try to try to beat the developers to get every drop of velocity out of them, like that's that's not me. That's not my motto. That's not what I do. I don't think that that even works. Uh, you know, I told them from the get go. My my motto with this is I want predictability out of development teams. I want quality out of development teams, and then you get product features and velocity and all of that afterwards. Um, if you don't have those things in that order, they the whole thing just breaks apart. And you can see that in development teams all over the place where you just cram additional stories. You're just trying to get a maximum amount you can. And what ends up happening is you get that negative feedback loop that comes with rework. So it gets out to production. You find bugs there. It takes 
50, 60% longer to go back and fix them than it would have if you had found them earlier in the cycle. Even if it just makes it to QA environments, it takes so much longer to go back and do that. And then your customers are angry because they were, they had it as an assault on them where suddenly this feature they were really excited about leaves this bad taste in their mouth because it just didn't work the way that they wanted it to. You know, let alone the times where you release something where something actually breaks and causes somebody to lose money. Um, you know, I, those conversations in this case, they were, they were a lot easier. Um, in, in other cases, you know, we're going to work for Active, uh, who was backed by another PE company, Vista, for a while. When I worked for Global Payments, you know, I had similar conversations. But to me, it always comes back with emphasizing those things. You know, there's a reason that Toyota had their, their total quality initiative. There's a reason that we have all of these, these huge quality initiatives have come back. And you can reference it even back to things that, that those other executives understand from things like their B-School. You know, they understand theory of constraints. Everybody that goes through B-School reads the goal. You can go and you can talk to them and show them, you know, look, there's a reason that in operations, you focus on doing quality up front. Because if you don't, then the further down the line it goes, the more expensive it gets. And that is doubly true in software. If anything, it's even more true just because of the fact that we're not building the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. We're essentially building prototypes with every story. We're building something brand new that we have to jam onto something that was not originally designed to hold that thing because the software grows in this organic way. And so you have to treat it more like that. You have to be careful as you decide what to cut and what not. You have to be careful as you decide how to shape things and what you're adding onto it. And, you know, in every case where we've implemented these kind of processes and systems before, I've never seen a case where over the long term, velocity doesn't improve. It always does. They always get more features. But you can't look at that as the leading indicator. That's the lagging indicator. It's way at the end. And usually whenever you talk to people about that, and usually you know, when you remind them of, of their B-School background, and you remind them of how terrible it is to get on the phone with a customer and explain to them why everything broke because you just didn't take some extra time, you know, that, that usually turns most executives around quick enough. Gotcha. Uh, no wonder um, engineers get so attached to their work and there's, you know, some of that going on, obviously. Um, oh, so, sure. It's your blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> Tell me, um, uh, Nathaniel, um, we're, we're living crazy and interesting times. Uh, how is the sure. uh, engineering organization at your company being challenged by our present situation? Uh, you know, it's it's definitely been difficult. We have had a deluge in some parts of our business and in other parts of our business, it's been crickets. So, you know, for some of you who are in tune with financial markets, you, you know that mortgage rates with those cratering, it's caused just tons of people to come through looking for mortgage loans. At one point, we had a 4x increase in the amount of traffic that was hitting our primary mortgage loan origination system. Um, a lot of our competitors went down. Uh, we did not. Uh, the biggest reason we did not is because, you know, we were able to get the engineers together, run a war room, get everybody in the same area and thinking along the same lines of just how do we solve the problem? Doesn't matter how this crowd we got here. It doesn't matter what, what happened before this. The only thing that matters is what is the data and how do we make things better? And, you know, the teams have just continually risen to challenges like that. Uh, no matter what I've thrown at them, you know, they have, they have continually just risen to the occasion. And, and to me, that, that's ultimately going to be true of most engineering teams. They're not, um, it's not that there's something magic there. It's not that there's something special about what I do or anybody else does. If you 
you unshackle your engineers and you throw them some good challenges, some nice meaty challenges and tell them to do it right, they'll, they'll do it right. They'll rise to the occasion. So it, it's been a challenging time for us. Um, you know, in some areas we're, we're definitely still trying to figure out kind of how to capitalize on new market opportunities, just as you do in any downturn like this. Um, SBA PPP, that loan platform was, uh, we were able to push something together where, where, uh, in about a week and a half time, we were able to do an integration with the small business administration where we were able to push loans for these small credit unions in directly in there. And so they were actually able to get ahead of some banks because of the fact that they had that integration available. Um, so, you know, those are areas that you can look for. You could find an opportunity and capitalize on it. Um, there are, you know, there are a lot of others, but, you know, in general, I think that that kind of continual transformation and that kind of focusing in on the data and what matters that's, that's driven us to be able to overcome. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So maybe I'd like to you know, move away from the, the, the company side of the conversation and maybe dig a little deeper in, uh, you know, the professional development side, right? Our listeners are, uh, you know, in a similar seat as you are or aspiring to become a CTO. And it's always great to hear kind of what others have to say, but, um, What's been the biggest surprise in your career, Nathaniel, that you've come across? Um, you know, I thought about this one a while, and I would have to say the biggest surprise in my career is that that Kaizen practice of tightening feedback loops works basically all over the business and all over your life. Um, you know, when I learned to do things like tightening feedback loops, it was, in, you know, in agile training and, you know, learning all those, all that, all those practices. But when you tighten feedback loops, you know, it, I, I learned later, hey, well, when we write code, if we tighten feedback loops and we put our linters in ahead of time, we write our tests earlier, we we actually make things happen sooner so that we can get a greater understanding of where problems exist in the system earlier, that makes things better. If you if your tests run on your build server, it makes it better than if your tests don't run until something actually gets to production. If they run on your laptop, it's all the better even still. But that practice extends far beyond that. that. That practice is essentially the basis for things like OKRs, where you're looking at different sections of the business and you're saying, you know, hey, we need to have this regimented process where we periodically go back and we look at how we're doing as a business and we establish this little feedback loop. And then you tighten it even further. You establish smaller subgroups in your business where you're working cross-functionally and you're looking at the same data sources and you're trying to adapt so that you can adapt on a weekly basis instead of a quarterly or monthly basis. You just keep tightening those down. I mean, in many ways, it works even in your personal life. You know, I have a once a week thing where I go and I do a retrospective on my physical fitness just because I like to stay in shape a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's surprising how many little practices like that that are just basically designed to trick the human brain. Uh, they function to keep you on target and keep you doing better in all these other activities that humans constantly encounter. That's, that's the first, a hu uh, personal health retro. That's a, I'll, I'll chunk that down. <laughs> yeah. so, so like, like many uh, CTOs out there, um, you've transitioned from the, the trenches, the, the technical uh, the developer sure. onto a management. Tell me about, you know, the challenges in transitioning. What can you, you know, what recommendations can you make to somebody that is aspiring to transition or going through that transition now that you can share uh, based on your experience. Yeah, sure. So I, I'll tell you this, you know, 
every developer I think has the hardest time when they make the first transition to being a manager because it's that first time that you you have to learn to understand that you will do more for your team sometimes by not digging in and fixing the problem for them than you would otherwise. But that same transition occurs when you move into a director role. And that same transition occurs when you move into a VP role. And that same transition even occurs when you move into a CTO role. The fact of the matter is, is when you're in a CTO role, the most interesting thing you're doing is you're you're gardening in many ways. Um, I've always liked the metaphor for software engineering as a form of gardening because of the way that systems grow in this organic manner. Uh, But... In a, in a CTO role, it, it's even more apt, in my opinion, because you're gardening culture. You're looking at how people are developing. You're looking at what it is that they're focusing on and what are they doing and how are they reacting to things. And you're trying to build systems and build cultures that will enable people to make the right decisions in real time. And so you have to deal with things one, two layers abstracted from that. You have to focus on things like what are the metrics that are being looked at there? You have to focus on things like, hey, what are code reviews look like? What are our processes and how are people reacting to those processes? Sometimes you have to dig in and look at it a little farther. If I look at and I see that one of my teams that is doing code reviews in asynchronously in their pull requests have very little comments inside of their pull requests, then either one, everybody is miraculously writing code in a hive mind, or two, they're not really looking at it and helping kind of generally critique each other's code and improve it in some way. So it's, it's those kind of things. You have to watch and kind of slowly clip away, you know, almost like you're trimming a bonsai tree where you're trying to grow a culture in a very specific way in order to produce the best results. So about culture, uh, that's a great, th- you're, you're touching all the right, you know, all the right subjects. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're guiding it through where we want to go. But um, how, how do you even begin? I mean, you walk in, it's your first day as a CTO, you were brought in, there was you know, probably some issues or some transformation that needed to have happen in your, you know, Absolutely. your place. Um, how do you begin like, slowly crafting that culture? How do you introduce it? Where do you start? You know, I think that you focus on one thing at a time from a strategic level, and then you you have to, to some degree, get your hands dirty a little bit. So, you know, when I walked into Meridian Link, one of the first things that I did is I went to every development manager and I said, I want you to add me to every demo you have. And I make it a point to this day that if I don't have another meeting interacting there, if I'm not you know, going and doing diligence or meeting with the ELT for some reason or whatever that I'm sitting in a sprint demo because I want to understand, I want them to understand that I care very deeply about the things that they've done and that I care very deeply about what's being produced and the quality of it and all that. But more at the beginning, it's so that I can understand what are the processes here? What are, what do people think about what it is that they're doing? What are they excited about? What are they not? You kind of get a, a straight tap of that. Um, you know, at the same time, you got to start getting operational metrics. You've got to do all that stuff that helps you identify kind of what the state of the company is. And then, you know, you, you, once you've had that chance to listen and to learn and understand what it is and how the company is doing and, and where they're going, then you have to kind of branch off and you've got to think of everything from two angles. You have to think of, you know, I'm, I'm the general here. So let me think strategically about where the culture sits and how I want it to go. And then on the same note, you have to think, okay, I also need them to understand that I'm on the front lines in this battle with them. And so you have to think about how do I help them in their day to day? 
So, you know, one of the things that I do is, is I run all hands. And so the very first all hands that I walked in, I ran, I put it off for a couple of weeks so that I could make sure I understood and I learned and I, I, I really got some feedback as to where they thought things were and then helped write that with where I was. And, you know, I set goals. I, those goals, you know, I told them freely. These are, this is where I think we need to go. I'm a big fan of doing predictability first. So the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to get some predictability into our system. We're going to talk about how we do estimation. We're going to talk about how we do, you know, sprint commitments. Uh, I was like, you know, you have to tell them like, this is what matters. I, I said, look, if your, if your velocity drops, that's okay. Uh, I, I want us to be predictable. I want us to have tighter sprints, smaller sprints. I want us to understand how we can box work in individual pieces so that then later on we can talk about what the quality of those pieces are. And later on, when I introduce things like continuous delivery, we can talk about how often we get those pieces out to customers. But if you can't box it up into smaller predictable pieces, like you can't do all that subsequent stuff. So, you know, on the one hand, I came in and said, look, we're going to do that. I also said, look, we're going to start talking about how we do quality. That'll come later. And We'll talk about how we're going to do some tech modernization. I know you guys are really excited for the cloud. I know you're excited for all this other stuff. I want to do all that stuff, but you know, we got to figure out the right way to do it. And we have to figure out a, a pathway that gets us where we want to go. And so, you know, I told them, I, I've been here a few weeks. I've been listening to you all. I'm shooting in the dark here. These are where I think they were. And I think that first one, I think the grade I gave myself at the end was something like 45%. Like we, we hit some of the goals really well, and then we hit others really badly. And that's just part of the learning process. It helps them understand that you're fallible. It helps them understand where your head is. It helps everybody align as to where they're going. And so you, you take those two arms of that, and then you, know, you just keep pushing forward. You have to be in there day-to-day -day helping them out. You got to be in there day-to-day you know, helping make sure your managers know what they're doing and helping make sure that they understand that they're heard and making sure that you're acting as the kind of uh, communication pipe that you're supposed to be. And on the same note, you have to make sure that everybody knows what the shining star in the future is and, and how they're going to get there in the meantime. Yeah, I feel that's also a great way to drive, you know, this sense of uh, uh, accountability and ownership, right? A, oh, sure. a sense of pride on what you're working on and you're building. You have stakes in the game, basically. It's your you know, you, your input helped start this. So, um, yeah. yeah, like I said earlier, it's blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, <laughs> you pour everything into that project. It's, you know, I, I think developers have a natural way of feeling ownership to it. It's only when we start shackling developers in specific ways that make them not able to, to kind of drive to the right area that, that we start losing that sense of ownership. So in, in my experience, if you, tell them you, they can do the right things. You, you enable them to take things in the right direction and you importantly point a North star that everybody can start going towards at the same time in the same direction, then they'll go a lot faster than if you tried to drag them there yourself. Yeah, that's great. I've, I've, I've heard a development work being referred to as uh, uh, art, as science. It's the first time uh, referred to as gardening. <laughs> but I agree with it, however, I do. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Uh, my final question to you, sir, will be, because uh, we're right at the 30-minute mark, and I want to be respectful of your time, but um, sure. during your path as uh, you know, a developer, uh, management, C-level, what books can you recommend or what books were helpful to you in that journey that you would like to share with our listeners? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, so from a development perspective, I will say uh, growing object-oriented software guided by tests is probably the book I've enjoyed the most in the last five or 10 years. As a manager, I would say something like, or if you're looking at technical strategy, I would say something like Nicole Fosgren's Accelerate, which is all the rage at the moment. Um, and then, you know, if I'm saying something from a more management perspective, I would say either, uh, well, for something serious, I think everybody should read the goal. Uh, that That's probably, if you take nothing else out of B-School, I think, and you're in the operational side, you should definitely read the goal. And then kind of a personal uh, popcorn read when it comes to management is I'm a fan of uh, Stan McChrystal's uh, Team of Teams. So. All right. Thank you. That's great advice. All right. Um, well, Nathaniel, I really appreciate you taking the time in your afternoon. It is, um, you know, summer here, and a lot of you all already know want to go out and just, you know, get some fresh air. But uh, this is a valuable conversation to many people in addition to ourselves right now. And uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's a great um, addition to our community and to our episodes. So thank you for being open. No, no. Thank you for having me on. It was a real pleasure. All right. Well, with that, we will uh, wrap it up. Uh, see you all very soon with some more episodes as we continue to connect with Orange County's uh, tech uh, thought leaders. And uh, until next time, thank you for uh, joining us.